Thank you for joining us at the Roundtable. Brought to you by Community Education Arts, a nonprofit organization based in Noblesville, Indiana. I'm Alice Cavanis Gober, President of CE Arts. And I'm Sarah E. Morin, Secretary of CE Arts. Let's sit down at the Roundtable. Welcome, everybody, to our podcast at the Roundtable. We are Community Education Arts. I'm Sarah E. Morin, and I am here today with my partner in crime, Alice Kavanagh Gober. Hello. And we're at one of our favorite times of the year when we get to select our literary selections for NICE. Um, NICE stands for Noblesville Interdisciplinary Creativity Expo. And gosh, what year are we in now? Uh, I want to say seventh or eighth. Was I think that sounds right. I can't remember. <laughs> Isn't that mm -hmm. terrible? <laughs> it's the seventh or eighth, I'm pretty sure. So... And the premise of this project is we select four literary pieces and more specifically four passages within those selections, typically classic literature. And then we invite the public to respond to those in an artistic way. Um, and they might be responding in prose or poetry or visual art, or I'm still waiting for the cake decorator. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and then the other fun that we have with it is um, through podcasts or workshops, depending on the year, delving into themes, meanings, the background of uh, you know what caused that writer to create that work. And that's always a fun analysis that we have. Yes. And then um, this year we may be having uh, the submissions of creative works go up on our website on a particular website page on our on our website. So that's kind of exciting too. something new that we might do. <laughs> so uh, how we've set this up today is um, Alice has made a list of literary works that, that she is strongly considering um, wanting to put forth, and I have done the same. And so we're just going to go back and forth and uh, try to talk each other into what might make a good basis for a nice creation and for nice discussion. Excellent. Uh, do you want me to kick things off? Yes, you kick things off with, with a... And by the way, for audience or ourselves, you know, we may be presenting, each of us has a list. My list is in no particular order. So just because I talk about a certain book first or something doesn't mean it's top of my list. It may be, but it doesn't mean that. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, so my first selection, Alice, is Neverending Story. I've never, never read, read I've never. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Yeah. This is by, it looks like it's Michael, but I looked up how to pronounce it. I believe that it is Mihail Inda. Uh -huh. um, it was published in 1979. It is a novel, first in English in 1983. And a lot of people from the 80s may be familiar with the movie series. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, the yeah. book is, the book as always, is better. Of course. <laughs> and it follows the adventures of um, Bastian Balthazar Box, one of my favorite names of a protagonist. And he is a young boy who is being bullied. And so he escapes upstairs, um, or I believe it's actually in a, in a bookstore he finds. Um, he finds a, a, a book called The Neverending Story, and he escapes uh, the bullies to read this book, just kind of hold up by himself. 
and get so engrossed in this story. And it's a story of this mythical land, lots of creative characters. Um, Atreyu is a boy protagonist within that world that Bastion really relates to. And he has to save that world um, from the nothing, which is basically consuming the land, making everything disappear. And so they relate so much, you know, reader, you know, the way you relate to a protagonist that you're reading about, that eventually he literally enters the story and saves the day. But here's what a lot of people who have watched the movie don't realize. It comes at a cost because the movie only covers about the first half of the book. Mm -hmm. And there have been sequels of the movie, but I don't feel like they did it justice. Mm -hmm. There is a cost which is explored at length of what happens when you engross yourself into a book. What is the healthy extent and what's the unhealthy extent? So my arguments for, I'm sorry, did you say something? That's very interesting. It is. Yes. It's a, it's a very um, like allegorical kind Mm -hmm. of book. Um, And so my arguments for, for having this be a nice book is that it's just such a a meta view of what Mm -hmm. it means to read fiction. Um, You know, what does it mean to be a reader and is, can you ever get too much into a story, but it also has such beautiful and creative characters and landscapes that are described so well. I think there would be no shortage of things to illustrate, um, Things that would be proper inspiration, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my argument for that book. Okay, I'm gonna right off the bat. I got two things to say about that. I think that mm-hmm. um, that that meta focus would be great for our podcast discussions and everything. The actual story reminds me a little bit of um, A Wrinkle in Time, which we did last year with the 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 nothingness consuming everything sort of reminds me of the battle that's the you know the allegorical battle that's within a wrinkle in time uh with the it you know so um those are my two thoughts right off the bat but i i agree with you even though i haven't read the book um which readers uh audience out there let me assure you i've read a kajillions of books uh but you know my favorite books tend to be much older publications which may or may not have to do with my advanced age and the library that was available in my home <laughs> as I grew up. But um, I, I would read it if we choose it. And I think it sounds like there's a lot of visual uh, and descriptive stuff in it that would attract uh, uh, any number of creatives, like you said. So I'm that's that sounds like an interesting thing. What do you think about it being sort of similar to A Wrinkle in Time in some way um, only on the surface only on the surface because wrinkle in time goes much more into um kind of a science fiction bent of speculative fiction and this is much more of a fantasy bent and a folktale bent okay. and it's much more again about how we as readers relate to what we read okay and what is that relationship fair all so, right I see them as being quite different. Now, they are both books that have been um, touted on young adult novel lists, but I believe that they are also ones that you can read, particularly this one, you can read as an adult Mm -hmm. and see things that you would not as a kid. And are there, you know, this is kind of an off question, but it just occurred to me that the protagonist in both worlds, if you will, are boys. Are there any 
girl characters in never ending story that you feel you know could be i you know fairly interesting to the childlike empress is the one who rules fantasia this this imaginary land Nice. Um, and there's also you have to it's like the Odyssey where like every chapter you're encountering a different person who may help may hinder. Okay. Um, there's, there's well, we've done the Odyssey before, so that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, so, yes, there are female characters, but, you know, they, they may not be any of them of, of the side characters, maybe ones that you see the whole way through. Sure, sure. Well, we covered the Odyssey one year, so why not this, you know, why not this adventure, you know, so <laughs> that's a good potential. Okay, let's see if I can introduce a book as briefly as you did. <laughs> my, the first one on my list is The Winter of Our Discontent, which was published in 1961, and it's a John Steinbeck uh, story. And probably the most major theme in, in The Winter of Our Discontent is kind of like has to do with the effect of societal pressures. Um, you know, the protagonist, Ethan Allen Hawley, which again, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about names and of characters. I, I've always thought that was a really great name. Um, he's unhappy with his job as a grocery store clerk. There's a lot of complications into the history of his job and stuff like that. And his, he's, you know, his wife and kids are always complaining about their socioeconomic status. And so, you know, all of this works to drive his character's notions and, and ideas about wealth and power. And um, there's a lot of issues of, uh, you know, bad things like, you know, the pressures of accepting bribes or speaking in ways that, you know, money is the most important thing in life. And, and this all kind of filters down into a situation that involves his, his son. And um, so he's, um, he, I think it's his son. Boy, I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm saying the right thing. Um, pretty sure it's his son. Uh, he also has a best friend that there's some, he's kind of taken advantage of in ways. Um, he's kind of profited off of his best friend, which is not good. Um, so there's, there's, some, there's some complications in there. And he gets very suicidal by the end of the book, and uh, it's not—it's not his son. There's a there's a daughter that that um, he that she's kind of like the foil to some of his more negative uh, self interpretations, and so it, it's it's a it's a complicated and interesting story in terms of those societal pressures and you know socioeconomic status and stuff like that but also that father-daughter relationship is is fairly interesting um it's it's pretty well thought of i think in terms of like literary significance in the in the greater world i think it's always recognized as one of his better um books and it was the last one that he completed before his death um he didn't complete the acts of king arthur and his noble knights but um and uh, those were that was published posthumously and unfinished after he died but this was his last full novel um i like the unusual structure that's in it there's a there it switches between three different styles of narrative point of view so that's interesting to me um, there's the omniscient narr narrator, there's, you know, kind of a free indirect discourse 
multiple points of view narrator in, in some of the chapters, and then there's first person narration in some of the chapters. So that can be a little challenging for some readers to kind of keep track of, for lack of a better phrase, who's talking, you know, <laughs> who's speaking, but it's interesting. So I think we could look at this book in terms of, uh, you know, those those pressures from society and socioeconomic uh, realities that are still relevant today. And, you know, looking at uh, this male character, this adult male character, his relationship with his best friend is is really, you know, complicated and kind of tragic. And then, you know, the relationship with his daughter. So that's that's what I think about this book. I think visually Steinbeck always writes so beautifully, in my opinion, that I think creative people could respond to this. Um, there's a talisman, for example. There's a physical little thing that is in the book that people have already in the, in the wider world created, created artwork you know about that talisman and things like that so there's a lot that could be could be done probably not as visually rich as something like never-ending story but thematically rich how's that <laughs> sure um yeah I'm, I'm kind of i'm googling as we're talking because i'm not familiar with this book i've it's also not a very long it. book it's um where is it you know i have it here in my list over here somewhere oh here it is it's not a super uh god <laughs> i actually have two steinbeck so i have to it's not a super thick book i mean it's it's a and this is a version that the print is is nice and and kind of large just so you know um it's 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 not a super hard read and again you know I love Steinbeck's writing, so and I'm so familiar with this book. It's pretty easy reading for me. But I think I think uh, this book is often taught in high school and college literature classes too. So I think, or not taught, but used, I should say. So it might be something that people are familiar with. Maybe not. And we've never done a Steinbeck, and he's you know one of the classic writers. So my favorite, favorite. He and Faulkner are my tip tops. You know. So yeah. So it's it's up for it's up for negotiation. I do also like here what I'm seeing about uh, the subject of, you know, immigration and illegal immigration. Yeah, like you said, that could be so timely to discuss. Yeah. So. And mm -hmm. shady deals, you know, that take advantage of people. You know, I mean, that's just seems to be in headlines almost every day, you know, that somebody's fraudulent or shady dealings has come to light, you know, in the public view. And so um, I feel like there there are some issues in this that we might be able to pull out that are that are a little more you know relevant today um, and in the context of interpersonal relationships within friends and family of the business world it's really a kind of a complicated little story at the same time that it's a pretty simple little story it's it's interesting I don't know it's it's mm -hmm. definitely worth a thought. Join us next time as we continue our discussion of our nice books. This has been At the Roundtable with Alice and Sarah E. of Community Education Arts. Our nonprofit organization is based in Noblesville, Indiana. You can find us online at cearts.org. We'd like to thank James Weston for writing our intro music and for his technical savvy. Join us next time at, at the, the Roundtable. Table.